broadcasting from the third coast and recorded live at Tripod South Studio. This is The Hangover Show. Yeah. And so, like, he hung up there for a little while, and, and he was like, all right, I'm, I'm coming around all right now. Uh, so... He had to come out of his shirt, though. <laughs> he was like, he's like, he's like, you couldn't, you, know, you, you can't breathe the out, get the hot sweats, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, he finally came around. Well, I, because they went up to, um, Oregon and Maine. Um, got a couple years ago. It went to Oregon and Washington one year. The next year they went to Maine, and uh, he was telling stories about them having to, you know, how hard it. You you can't buy like. They grow they grow rec weed for rec weed. They grow medicinal weed for medicinal weed, and they can never be the same. Hmm. So when when they have like medicinal marijuana, it's got to be sold at a medicinal dispensary. That rec marijuana has got to be sold at rec dispensaries only. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And he's like, so they went on a trip to Maine, like right after rec had passed. He said you couldn't find shit. He said every wreck place was sold flat out. Hmm. He's like, they went to a wreck joint and they got there and they're going up. The guy was coming out the building. He's like, I'm, I'm sold out. I ain't got nothing to sell you. She's like, his wife was with him. She's like, well, damn. He's like, but there ain't no loss and I can't give you some. <laughs> so he like got a little bit of his own and gave it to her. Wow. And they had to go find like something to smoke it out of. <laughs> That sounds like the the better of the two problems, you know. <laughs> well, right. They're the one of them ever. They usually just do edibles. They're the one of them ever smoked weed, or they hadn't smoked weed in a long time. And they were on a road trip. Was it driving during that time? Well, no, they, they were like in the town wherever they were at in Maine. Oh, they okay. They had a room. They had like a B and Airbnb. Yeah, okay, cool. And so they stopped at a gas station. Sends his wife in to get rolling papers. <laughs> She's like, I need some rolling papers. What size do you need? She's going, I don't know. And like, what do you want? Fives or one two fives or ones. What do you just give me? Whatever you know, surprise me. <laughs> so they, they get back to the Airbnb and roll one up. And they learn real quick. She can't smoke. She can't. She can't inhale. Oh my smoke. So he's like, I had to smoke the whole thing by myself. I'm like, oh, it's, it's a bad problem to have. I tell yeah. you. Oh um, man. You know, you're talking about those edibles. Um, when Pop was really sick, um, I I exhausted just about every avenue i knew of to try to get him something like that you know yeah um he was very hardcore against it and stuff like that but you know at that stage of the game i think that he would have he would have tried it out i think or at least entertained the idea um <clears throat> you know when you're coming to the end um you, you're gonna you know, you're going to all bets are off, man. Yeah, you'll you're do gonna, anything. You're, you're going to be right. You're going to get some peace out somehow. And I think that would have been an option. Now I just, uh, I just wasn't able to do it in time. So, yeah. Yeah. It, of course, you know, when grandpa passed from cancer, it was so quick. Mm -hmm. you know, it was six weeks and over, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he would have been against the idea. They already had him like on, morphine breathing treatments and everything oh, so i mean yeah what's it gonna hurt what's the difference at that point yeah no doubt you know you're downgrading from morphine man <laughs> <laughs> well the nurse would come in and give them to him and she would say do you need to step outside to me and i'd say 
And all why she was, well, I can't be around them. She was, they get me. She was just the exhaust of it coming off would get her high. Jesus. What? I mean, it's, it's freaking heroin. It's, it's vaporized heroin's all, all it is. And he's just, oh, and he's doing it in a mask or something? No, she, it was like a, like a nebulizer. Oh. Like it, so she would, she would load it up and she goes, I'm going to step outside. And she told me, she said, if you're working somewhere where you get drug tested, you may want to come outside too. She says, this stuff gets in the air. It can, it can cause you to get, get a positive. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it was constantly pumping that. You know how nebulizers work? It's just a constant pump. <clears throat> he was sitting there and just taking draws off of it. <clears throat> yeah. So he was like vaping morphine, pretty much what it boiled down to. <clears throat> wow. Just from the, the pain in his lungs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think when people, when it comes to end of life care, everything should be off the table, on the table. You should be able to do whatever the hell you want. If you're you know? a, Free thinking adult. Why not? <laughs> exactly. We know Oregon and Washington. One is passed. You know, you have the right to take your own life now. If you're terminally ill, you have the right to to end it. Mm. And they have like, if you they do assisted out there too, right? Yeah, you you go through like you have to go through like a counseling thing. You know, it's the same way as you as you would with any major surgical stuff. Hmm. People who like go through the gastric bypass have to go through the counseling and everything before they can, before they can do it. Um, but yeah, I think it's Washington or Oregon one. I think I want to say Washington. I'm pretty sure it's Washington. Yeah. It does assisted, but you go through that counseling and everything and your doctor will write you a prescription for your, for your end of life drugs. And you go to a pharmacist and they fill it for you. Then you can go home and whenever you're ready, you can take them and be done. But I think that's a basic human right. You know, if it's your body, you know, you should be able to do it. I mean, as, as morbid as it sounds or as creepy as it sounds, when you get to a point in your life where you're in chronic pain. Yeah, and you know that it ain't going to get worse. Right. right. Yeah, as a, my, you know, it was my mother. I wouldn't want her to do it. Mm-hmm. But that's me being selfish. Sure. That's my mom. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But my libertarian side says, well, hell Yeah. If I can go get ink stuck in my skin and I can do whatever else I want with my body because it is my it is my my property. Mm-hmm. My body is my property. If I can do all this or do whatever or fly down the interstate at 90 miles per hour on, a, on the back of a motor <laughs> with two wheels stuck to it, you know, um, I should be able to, to say, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in chronic pain, I can say I'm done. I want out. You know, I know it's, it's a terrible, morbid way to say. Everybody, welcome to the Hango Show. <laughs> Start out here talking about end of life care. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a morbid thing to think about, you know. But if you truly believe that you own yourself and that you're not the property of anybody else, with any other person or government or anything, you have the right to do with whatever your body with your body whatever you choose. That should be an option in, in my in my book. I mean, it's all it's an option with or without their consent or their help. You know, I mean, if if you want to end it, you can end it. Right. Uh, it's just they're just giving you probably a cleaner and easier well, a way to go. Main way of doing things. Or, yeah, I mean, it's probably your your family and loved ones would probably as, rather you do it like mm-hmm. that versus you know other ways. Well, there's a I, I listened to this podcast. I hadn't listened to it in a while, but back they they kind of went off the deep end on a lot of stuff. They they became more politically minded stuff instead of just being fact driven stuff. It's called criminal, and they they did they would cover like really strange or unusual um, cases that have happened, and some of it was kind of funny. 
and some of it was kind of serious, you know. And one of them they did, there was, there was a group of, of people who go around and covertly help with assisted suicide for, for people who were terminally ill. They go through like the whole counseling thing of what's going on, you know, what's your diagnosis, what's this, you know, and they would come, people who couldn't, people who were so sick they were bedridden. They would come in and they would simply show you, it was, they had like a whole mechanism of uh, using helium because helium is used a lot of times in suicide. You didn't know that uh-uh. helium is reason it changes your voice so much when you inhale it. It's a very dense gas and it settles in your lungs. So in small doses, it just is, it makes your voice sound funny, hmm. but in high doses, it'll kill you because it's taking up all the space in your lungs where oxygen can't get in. Oh, wow. No, and so I'm not going to go into the whole details of how it works, how they, how they did it. They talked about it on the podcast, but this woman, she would go around, they called her the angel of death because she was like a sweet little old 65, 70 year old woman. And she'd go visit these people and do counseling with them and show them how to use this apparatus using, using helium to in their life, mm. you know, and she would show them and they had to turn the thing on by themselves. She wasn't allowed to do it. And she would sit there if they had no, they had no family. She'd sit with them or if they wanted her to stay with it and her family would be there as well, they would do that. Or she would just, she would, show them how to do it and leave the room if they want to be there with their family only, you know? And she's like, it's such a dignified way for some, cause they, you go to sleep what it, what it boils down to, mm. you know, you just turn this nozzle and you drift off to sleep from the helium. Mm. So that there's no violence involved in it. You know, there's no tying a rope or, or anything else, you know, uh, it's clean, you know, and it was just an option for people who who were who were sick. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's horrible to think about stuff like that, but it's also something. You know, um, at some point we're all going to face something to, that if we live long enough, you know, we're going to face that option eventually. So, kind of a dreary way of starting off the show. <laughs> Man, uh, welcome to the Hango Show. This is your host, Tango Wood. And back tonight, I got the boys. I got Harpoon. I got Judd. How y'all doing tonight? Great, man. I, I've, I've really been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, me too. It's like the highlight of my week off, kind of, you know. Where's the first day off, you're always your highlight, because I get to sleep a little extra long tonight. You know, I used to get back, get back on, a, on a walking person's sleep schedule. But, uh, yeah, I always look forward to catching up with y'all. So, how's y'all week? You said you were busy Saturday night? Uh, Saturday was such a pretty day that, um, there was a, there had to be a lot of people out doing, you know, outdoor stuff around the water, grilling out, doing, doing things. We were busy. Uh, it was just, we were shorthanded as, as usual. And, you know, it was just, it's just having me triple time, you know, which is, which is fine, man. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm good with that, you know, but eventually it's just going to work out to where we got to get some more help. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, man, this was a great weekend. There was a lot going on. Um, so, you know, we had some crazy weather right after it, you know, again, but what about y'all, Jig? Were y'all, y'all wide open this week? Uh, Friday was okay. The rest of the week was kind of hit or miss. <clears throat> Saturday I had to leave early. 
uh, to go to neighboring city. Uh, we had a show to play. Oh, gotcha, oh, man. The band. So we played it. Live uh, shows are coming back, man. We about played, time. Uh, played in Huntsville. Oh, um, nice. At the at the camp. So that was that was pretty cool. Is it the it's place been a while since we've been there? Where they have like the uh, it's like a big like a big circle. They have like the Conex boxes or whatever. Yeah. Containers. Well, it's um, RVs. RVs. Okay. Like food food trucks. Gotcha. But yeah. it's RVs. I used to, it was like a circle of trailers or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Same thing. Yeah, they've got a they've got a pretty nice outdoor stage. It's all outdoor, uh, but there's a big courtyard where you can sit and have people around. And then there's a bar in the very back, and they've got different stuff. They got ping pong tables and all kind of stuff you can do just to kind of keep your you know keep busy. Yeah. But uh, it's a cool venue, and it's in. I mean, it's right off a of University Avenue or University Drive, right, right by Top Golf mm-hmm. and all well, that so area. Do Top Golf sometime. It looks. It like looks a cool. Blast. I yeah. would love to. I've seen a lot. We of need that. to make a trip over there, man. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. You remember, man, when we used to go play golf every time. Like these guys would literally keep score by how many strokes, right. and I was keeping score by how many balls. I <laughs> <laughs> I would, every time, man, every, like once a week, I'd, have I'd to, be now. I, would, I would go out to this place um, that used to sell like like these big two gallon bags of shag balls. Yeah, you know, they just gone out and just found a bunch of just random. Some of them had cut. Some of them were had, they'd all been used. But uh, they'd say like a like a two gallon bag for like ten bucks or something like that. Like a hundred balls in it or whatever. And so, literally, whenever we would be going, I would take that bag and cut the end of it open and just pour it into my, <laughs> my golf bag. Every every pocket, every golf shaft hole in there was just filled. Everything was just as many golf balls as I could keep in that bag with like two or three, two or three, you know, uh, golf gloves to take with us. And these guys, for sure, man, I mean, you got to think, man, there was most of the time it was like early in the morning and um or that i was going with you guys and and uh but it, that never stopped anybody from drinking you know right. stuff like that. we were trying to get there at, at, you know early in the morning so we could make it back to work yeah and then by about th- three holes into it somebody's going <laughs> hey, oh man i gotta work in a couple hours okay i'll just have one you know? <laughs> that was like a long time ago man it's about 20 years ago I'll just have one six pack. Yeah, just one. <laughs> I, I told Tank, I was like, "Hey, let's we need to go do top golf sometime." And she's like, "Eh, I don't think I'd like that because she's not. She has no no interest in anything remotely sports related that she has to compete in." I was like, "They got food there. They have food." It's <laughs> like, "Yeah, but it's a fucking sports bar. Go check it." She just pulled it up. She's like, "Holy shit, this looks nice. Ooh, ooh, they have egg rolls here with mac and cheese inside of them." You know, it was like. <laughs> I was like, great. You can sit there and get drunk and eat, eat the snacks when we play Top Golf. Heck yeah. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to go over that. It's, it's really cool to have like different games you can play or something. Cause like all the little pins are, are color coded yeah. out in the driving area. Yeah, it's just per, like, from what I could tell from where we were, um, we've, we've played there a couple of times, but you can see it with that. I mean, that place lights up. Oh, yeah. It's like a casino like at crazy night. Crazy at night. But, uh, yeah, there's color coded spots at different yards. That you can hit too, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess you can uh, keep score or whatever you're gonna do with it. Well, and they have like there's different lengths for every. So they have like color. pins out there with like like a big probably like a, a ten yard circle around them. Mm-hmm. If you get the ball in that, you get so many points or right. something depending yeah. on what game you 
pick to play or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'll, I'll have to do that or go to Dave and Buster's sometimes or something. We need to all get they together. They got one right next to us. <laughs> Dead serious. It's right across it's like the parking playground. lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that'd be a blast to do sometime. I, I've never been to either one of those. I've, a lot of friends of mine have went, and they said it's a it's a blast. You know. Uh, so yeah. Uh, this week, man, at work was fucking crazy. Really. Saturday night, I did almost six hundred fifty miles. Just Saturday night. What? It was insane. I didn't get off work until uh, it was almost eight o'clock before I got off work Sunday morning. Was that like fourteen hours or so? It wouldn't. It was. It was thirteen. Thirteen. I didn't take a lunch. That's that's how. I mean, I was on the road all night, and it wasn't anywhere like remotely near civilization. <laughs> it was. It was all these little, these little bitty rural hospitals were needing something. Wow. Like one of them, it was one of like the one of the ones on the south end of our area <clears throat> that we service, they started doing like actual surgery there now. Like do like our local hospital network have got all these little rural hospitals. Like if you break an arm or if you need some stitches, they can mm-hmm. they're like kind of like triage centers, what they are. It's is somewhere so if you if Timmy falls off his bike and breaks his arm they can set they can set a broken arm there without you having to drive all the way to the main hospital, you know. Well, now these little bitty hospitals, this one specifically, has decided it's going to start doing actual, uh, like major medical. Not really major, just like <clears throat> they wanted an irradiated platelet the other day, which is what you give cancer patients. I'm like, why are they transfusing that way down there at that little? tent of a hospital they have, you know, I mean, and so, yeah, it's just been, it's been wacky. The whole problem, whole, what it all boils down to is they are so remote and there are bigger hospitals near them, but they're not in the same network. And so instead of transferring the patient to a, to a, another network, to a bigger hospital, they don't want to give up the money. And so they're doing it at that little, little bitty hospital, hmm. which is kind of crazy for me to, to have, to be doing that. Such a small hospital with limited resources. I mean, I'm sure you know that a lot of the local people there are just glad to have that. I mean, I'm that, sure they are. You know, I mean, if I busted my head open, it'd be great to have a hospital five minutes from my house to get it sewed up and go back to the house. You know, but first going an hour, hour and a half, to, two yeah, hours to, to the main hospital, <laughs> right. and then have to wait in the the emergency ER. room in there for two hours right. at least, and then another hour in the back. But if I have cancer. I want to go to the oncology center. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want Jim Bob, the nurse sticking a tube in my arm. You know, I want somebody who's, who's a professional at doing nothing. That they're not professional. I want somebody who's does it day in day out. It's their job is to do cancer patient, cancer treatments. That's just me though. I could be crazy. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> sounds real reasonable. You still got a drink? You got coffee over there. Yeah. I'm dragging through some coffee. You're fine. So make sure you were lubricated. What you drinking, Jig? Uh, I got some proper twelve. <sighs> really? What is that? What's the name of uh, Connor McGregor? That's Connor's. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. That from that bottle I got you for well, that's that's birthday or is it a different one? No, it's a different one. You know he sold <laughs> that, that one company, was right? gone. 
long ago. <laughs> he fuddled at the dirt. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, did he sell? He sold. I didn't know if he actually owned it or if they yeah. just used his name no, to sell he, the stuff. But it is here. good. It's a it's a good whiskey. I got him a bottle of that last year um, for his birthday. Whoop. Uh oh. Booty call. I got a bottle of that last year for his birthday. That's probably proper 12 calling, letting us know, hey, don't mention us on that fucking. We're calling for a sponsorship. Don't, say my, I don't know. say my name on that show. Conor McGregor just got even richer. The UFC star and his business partner sold their majority stake in proper 12 Irish whiskey to Proximo Spirits in a deal that's worth up to $600 million. Cool. <laughs> this is another Bentley for him, is all it is. <laughs> But the thing is, it's not even, it's not even like they paid him to stick his name on a shitty whiskey. It's a really good fucking whiskey. It really is. Yeah. Well, I got in that bottle last year for his birthday. He posted a picture of it on Facebook saying thank you or whatever. And I said, I texted him and said, hey, how's, how is it? He goes, it's dangerously smooth. So apparently he was sucking it down pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. Oh, man. Wow. 600. And he's not only, he's only had that a few years. Like two or three. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just recently, basically. Yeah. Not even long enough to crack one of the barrels. <laughs> if it's going to be like a 12-year whiskey, <laughs> you know, or even a six-year. He, he hadn't even got, got there yet. Right. Um. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, it's – um. Connor has – to be – to be some um. Irish plumber – he did pretty well for himself. Yeah. Have you ever heard his? You ever heard his whole his whole story of how he started and everything? I, I've, I've heard bits and pieces. I don't know that I've heard maybe it all the way all the way through. Yeah, but he I was heard just bits and pieces. Poor kid in Ireland, you know, and uh, he. Uh, hang on a sec. Wish I was a poor kid. He's just he's just he's just this poor he's this poor guy in Ireland, you know, just you know. 18 years old, and he got a job in the trades working as a plumber. His folks were on public assistance, and he would go to industrial plumbing, and he fucking hated it. And he said, I'm not going back to that job. Him and his dad got in a big, big blow up about it. You know, he's like, I'm not fucking going back. It's fucking. <laughs> I'm not fucking going back. Um, and so, yeah, uh, he, he started, he would like, he would do boxing in the morning and then do like M- MMA in the, in, in the afternoon, you know, and then sprinkling a little wrestling when he could, you know, and just kind of, you know, took over in the UK scene when it came to MMA. And now he owns, you know, a garage and 12 cars and yeah, got a woman and baby and you know, living the good life. Got his own promotion company. That all, that all came about because when they were getting ready to do the whole, uh, fight with Mayweather, yeah. you know, he said, I want to cut. And so it was UFC in conjunction with, you know, McGregor promotions and money Mayweather promotions. You know, that's the way, it, I mean, cause UFC guys don't get paid shit. Yeah. That was a circus, man. I watched a lot of that. <laughs> that, was, that was beyond a circus, man. That was the whole, the whole three ring sideshow. Um, yeah, that, uh, after the UFC did the whole uh, Reebok deal, 
they couldn't sell ads on their mm-hmm. on their fight gear or on their banner or anything. That, that just I mean, a lot of those guys. I mean, shit tier guys. I shouldn't say shit tier because they could all kick my ass. Low tier guys were making sixty, seventy grand a fight just from sponsorships. You know, probably was quite a bit of that was on the uh, banners and stuff right. behind them and stuff. Do they? They don't do that anymore. Nope, no they, they can't. That, that was Dana's whole thing was. I don't want my fighters looking like NASCAR drivers. But yet his ring has got Harley Davidson shit writ all over it and, and Bud yeah. Light or Coors Light or whoever. GNC. GNC. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of guys left the UFC for Bellator or, or whoever else just because they could still sell ads. Hmm. Which, if you're not making a lot of money, that's how you, you're not, they're getting like half to show and then they get the other half if they win. So if a guy, if the fight is, you know, a $30,000 purse, they get 15,000 for showing up. And the only way you get the other 15,000, if you win the fight, hmm. you know, and that's, that's for like mid mid card guys, you it's know, a hell of an incentive though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you're kind of like the gladiator arenas all over again, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that sucked. I mean, you'd have to be a pretty successful guy to make a good living. Well, and you got to remember, that. I mean, because you think about all the money they're burning just to get to that point. Right. Between uh, gym costs, and then you need trainers, and then you got to pay for your nutritionist, which is a got to. You, you can't like, oh, I'll do my own nutrition. When you start, when you start not making weight, yeah. it's going to be a big problem. And you can't, when you can't even fight to get the money, because if you don't make weight, you don't, you don't even get that show money. Yeah, I forgot who it was. Some guy he missed weight three times straight. Dana's like, "No more, you're gone, we're done." Because every every one of the fights ended up being a catchweight fight. I forgot who it was. Came it was a title fight, and he missed weight for a title fight. I think I remember that. Oh, I, for, I forgot who it was though. One. It wasn't. I don't think it was Rashad Evans. It was some. It was. Was uh, it Usman? No. It was before. Anyway, yeah, and he ended up losing his whole career over it in the UFC because he couldn't make weight. So these guys are fighting from the time they're 18, 20, until they're maybe, maybe 45. Maybe. Oh, I was thinking more like 32 or 3. I mean, or some of those guys now are, are getting close to 40. Wow. Or some of them are over 40. And they're still fighting. So, I mean, but you're looking at a at a. At the most, a 20-year time gap. And after that, what are you going to do? Well, damn, you'd hope, man. After that, you wouldn't have to do much of nothing but heal. They're burning through their money. And not just from from blowing it. I mean, if you're a mid-card, mid-card guy and you never you never get to the Daniel Cormier, John Jones, Conor McGregor level, uh-huh. you stay mid-tier your entire life, you're pretty much getting that money, putting it right back into your career, trying to get there between gym time, nutritionist, all that stuff. And then still having life bills to pay right. and all that. Yeah. So after you're 40 and you're some punch drunk fighter, what are you going to do? You've had concussion, funk and cut, especially strikers. You know, wrestlers seem to do a little bit better when they're dealing more with submissions, you know, the guys who are, who are getting knocked in the head 60 times a night and then half time getting knocked all the way out. What are you going to do? Okay, Chuck Liddell. I love yeah. Chuck. Yeah. Chuck is an icon in the sport. He's so damn punch drunk now, you can tell what he's saying. 
He slurs his speech so bad. Hell, I'd do it. I'd even have been knocked out that many times. Just a half a dozen, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, hearing Chuck talk now hurts. Because I remember when Chuck was Chuck. Oh, sure. Chuck yeah. was a body snatcher. And now it's everything's just slurred together. It's horrible. And it's guys in the NFL the same way, if if not worse. Because they're getting out of, out of college at 21 to 23. But they've been playing for four, five, right? six years before that. And they finally get to the NFL. The average, the average age of an NFL retiree is twenty-eight, four or five years, and they're they a running back. Who's going to take a chance on a twenty-nine-year-old running back if they've been beat to shit their entire life? You know, there's a reason why most teams cut a running back after they're twenty-eight, twenty-nine years old because their legs are done. You know, I mean, yeah, you have those freaks like Barry Sanders. You know. Or a guy like Bo Jackson, who tore his own hip. You know, he didn't the hit that he, he took ain't what put Bo Jackson out. He was running so hard, dragging those guys, it pulled the muscle from his hip. What the? And he took someone, a genetic freak. Bo Jackson is it. That dude and a two sport guy. You know, running back and played baseball in the off season. The off season was baseball for him. You know, major league baseball. Yeah. So I mean. There are those, those rare freaks of nature who can play running back or, or can play, you know, these skilled positions take a lot of hits for years and years and years, but those are few and far between. Oh, yeah. You see any of the draft this week? I haven't seen any of it. Oh, I got a story for you. It's not as good as Tunsil from Ole Miss getting, <laughs> getting his drafts. You remember that happened last year or before? What are you talking about? Uh, Tunsil. What was his name? Lamar Tunsil. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, I think he was a. Oh, let me look it up right quick. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil was an offensive lineman, uh, played at Ole Miss. Came draft night. He was expected to go like in the early first round, like top ten. He was a beast in the offensive line. Well, when the draft started, somebody leaked on Twitter a video of him smoking one of those gas mask bongs. You remember when this happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> In the video, he's like, you see this big guy with this gas mask bong on, and he pulls it back, and it's his face. He's like, there's a huge cloud of smoke out. This so, is, they they released it while he while the like, draft was when the going? draft started it got put on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he in his draft stock tumbled. <laughs> like he went way down. Uh, let me see if I can find when he uh, where where he where he got uh, one second. Yeah, 10 minutes before the draft was set to begin, Tunsil's Twitter account showed a video of him wearing a gas mask and smoking a substance from a bong, a substance. Although Tunsil's agent, Jeremy Sexton, immediately explained the account was hacked, it resulted in in some teams taking Tunsil totally off their draft boards. The Baltimore Ravens at number six and Tennessee Titans at number eight, both in need of offensive tackles, passed over Tunsil and chose Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin. 
respectively. The Miami Dolphins eventually selected him with a 13th overall pick. In a parallel incident, Tunsil's Instagram account published a screenshot of a text requesting money from Ole Miss assistant athletic director John Miller for rent and so Tunsil's mother could pay for her electric bill. During a post-draft press conference, Tunsil admitted that he had took money from an Ole Miss coach while a member of the school, uh, while a member of the school, but explained his Instagram account had also been hacked. That's what started the whole investigation with Ole Miss and the NCAA. Oh, I had no idea all that. I yeah. mean, that was what yeah. triggered all that. That's what triggered it, all of it. So, yeah. Um, and so you think, well, he still got drafted in the first round. But the difference, the difference between your paycheck from number six pick overall to a number 13 pick overall is millions. Every time... Every time a draft comes, every time you get somebody distracted before you in the draft, that's 500,000. That's 400,000. That's 300,000 you're missing out on. That's no 200,000. I mean, the money just exponentially goes down as you're being drafted. Golly. You know, so from slipping from number six to number 13, that's seven spots. You know, that's two or three million dollars you missed out on. Jig, how pissed off would you be, man, if you got 25 million instead of 27 million? <laughs> I mean, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? You lost two million. I don't think I could put it in words, <laughs> yeah. honestly. I, I couldn't live on it. I mean, they're, yeah, you know. Oh, man. You yeah. definitely have to get a 25? Mm. Nah. <laughs> that's, that's peasant money. Yeah. No, couldn't make it on that. Yeah, that was the that's what sparked the whole investigation into Ole Miss's uh, stuff when Hugh Freeze was there, you know, back two or three years ago. That's what got him popped for, you know, bringing hookers in and everything else to the to the school. Or I shouldn't say I shouldn't say hookers. I shouldn't say that. Exotic dancers. Let's let's be professional here. Let's, I'm not going to put any blame on Hugh Freeze. I don't need him and his three daughters coming after me. You know, for down in his name apparently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Uh, the guy who got drafted this week, you know, look it up real quick. NFL. I'm so well prepared for our show. Two million dollars you'd miss out on Jig. Absolutely just insane. Yeah, it's crushing. You, when you think about it, or when that guy thought about it, you know, he has to think to himself, that was the most expensive night. You know, you could go blow a lot in an exotic dancer realm. Yeah. <laughs> First, go get gassed with your buddies, and somebody's got a <laughs> you know a cell phone out. Yeah, you're thinking, "Damn, I wish I." This is a real B and H customer story. Jack and Barbara, professional wildlife. There we go. I Cut. hate I hate, <laughs> hate self playing ads. It drives me up the wall. Um, because we all know that. Trevor Lawrence would go, go first overall. Jacksonville Jaguars, guy from Clemson, quarterback, yep. uh, the Fabio-looking guy. Mm-hmm. He went first overall. Uh, Zach Wilson from BYU went to the Jets. Um, who was who was the uh, – uh, I think it was John Horn's son got drafted. J.C. Horn got drafted uh, by the Panthers. He's a cornerback, South Carolina. Um, where is that cat's name? I saw this dude's name and I'm like, hmm, that's a strange name. <laughs> Where is he from? And so I did a little looking. 
Kuwiti Pay. K-W-I-T-Y. That's name is P-A-Y-E. I'm like, well, that's a different name. You know, you don't see that a lot, you know, around. Um, he's an edge defenseman. Plays like defensive back, cornerback, that kind of stuff. Played at Michigan. So I'm like, what's, what's this dude's deal? He was born at a refugee camp during the Liberian Civil War. And when he was six months old, his mom got to come to America as a refugee. Talk about a true rags to riches story. This cat was born in a tent during a civil war. He was able to get to America thanks to his mom. And he ended up going to Michigan. And now he was the 21st overall draft pick in the NFL draft. I mean, that's that not is, that's not even life changing money. That's generational changing money. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Even right. better than that, his brother's the same way. His brother's I think his brother's a little bit younger than him. He's probably gonna get drafted too. <laughs> they posted a picture on Twitter the other day. His brother just sent him a picture, standing next to a nun. He's like, "What did you take a picture of the nun for?" He's like, "I never seen one. I thought they were just made up in movies." <laughs> He thought, he thought it was just a joke. He didn't know what a nun was. And he ran into one in real life, took a picture with her. He's like, what's a picture with nuns? He goes, I didn't know they were real. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I like hearing stories like that when it's, it's these guys who absolutely come from nothing to whether it be to, they invent something or they're good at football. They do something to change their entire family, you know? It's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a great thing. I think it's the American dream. Absolutely. We're all trying. Oh, is that We're still all... a thing? Yeah. <laughs> He's living it. We're chasing it. Oh man. Uh, let me get some, let's get some. These sites drive me up the wall. Can we track what you're doing? No. Uh, Hunter shoots hiker on popular trail after mistaking him for a turkey. Missouri cops say, "You mm. heard that right." Don't look at me confused. <laughs> a man hiking a Missouri trail was shot over the weekend by a hunter who mistook him for a turkey. Around twelve thirty p.m., broad daylight, yeah, <laughs> middle of the day, St. Charles County police respond to the Lewis and Clark Trail that. The agency wrote on the Facebook post, a hunter thought the hiker was a turkey and shot him. Rescue crews used a utility task vehicle to remove the man from the wooded area before he was flown to a hospital with serious life-threatening injuries. A spokesperson from the St. Charles Ambulance District told KMOV. The incident's under investigation. Val Joyner, a spokeswoman for the St. Charles County Police Department told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch the hunter is cooperating with police. It sounds like it was just a really bad accident, Joyner said. Rebecca Brown was running the eight-mile trail loop when she happened upon the scene. It was so sad, she told the Post-Dispatch, explaining that she saw first responders tending to the man on a stretcher who appeared unresponsive. She said he was mostly covered with yellow, yellow tarp as a man dressed in camouflage stood nearby. <laughs> ready to finish the job, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Phillips said that she regularly hikes the popular trail where the man was shot. 
this is a freak accident. I think she told show she told KSDK. I always purposely wear bright colors so no hunter mistakes me for anything. <laughs> Why's the guy hunting? That's what I was going to say. Why is he <laughs> that close to a known walking place? Right. You know, or a park, you, and, even right, and and turkey hunting, you shooting a bird pretty close. I mean, if if close yeah. enough to see, you know, a ten pound bird or twenty pound bird, whatever they are. I mean, you know, it's a bit like that. You for sure going to see a two hundred pound man and under and realize. I mean, come on. The hiker was shot during a turkey hunt managed by the Missouri Department of Conservation, according to KSDK. The hunt was set up to wrap around one p.m. Turkey turkey hunting season concludes Sunday. Police have not released the hiker's name. St. Charles County is just north of St. Louis. So, yeah. yeah you tr- you'd think, you think, you know, St. Louis has a reputation for being a pretty sketchy place. I live in St. Charles, where it's relatively calm and everybody's cool. Beautiful things like state parks and beautiful hiking trails like the Lewis and Clark Trail. I think I'll go for a hike on the Lewis and Clark Trail. You get shot by a motherfucker with a shotgun. You're trying to escape all the gun violence in St. Louis, and you get shot while you're hiking. <laughs> there, there's some there's some management that's missing out somewhere around there. You know, if they're like going, okay, you guys go hunt over here, but they put them on a well, they should have at least posted on the trail. Hey, we're doing a management hunt today. You know, please make noise or wear bright colors. Or go somewhere else. <laughs> That's what, that'd be my first thought. It's a hunt. I'm out. Oh, man. Go jog somewhere else. Like get, play in the Time middle to get of a tr- treadmill. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was wondering, like, you know, do they not, do they allow that? Because most like our state parks, you don't get to no. hunt in them at all for no reason. I've never heard of them doing like a, a management hunt at one of our state parks ever. Uh-huh. Sure as hell don't want to get caught with a gun in one of them. Oh, hell no. Yeah. That's like, yeah. You know, when they had all the big illegal grows like out in California, they're like at Yosemite and stuff. <laughs> These cartels would move into like the, the national parks. Oh, like way out because you know it's like thousands of acres of of national park national park service. <clears throat> Some of them are so remote, the park rangers never even never even go up in the place like in the mountains, like Big Sur and Yosemite, all those you know, Big Bear. And so, yeah, these cartels were coming to the U.S. and sending like whole groups of guys up there cool. to these these gigantic because there's plenty of fresh water sources up in the mountains. You oh, know, those guys just live up there. Yeah, or they tents, just- man, and, and AKs. Yeah, they sit there. God forbid when these hikers come across them, they get lit up. You know, so yeah, that was a big problem back. Probably it may, it may still be now. But I know, like 10, 15 years ago, they were really cracking down on it. Like the elite park rangers were like coming in with helicopters, and like rappelling down and like tearing up all their grows and everything. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, let's see here. I got done with that one. Let's delete, delete that one. You hear about Josh Duggar this week? You Josh Duggar is? Did you ever what you see that show? Like 18 kids and counting or whatever it was. No. no? It was just coupling. I don't watch Lifetime. What is it? <laughs> what is it? No, for real. Is it on Lifetime? It's on TLC, I think. Same thing. It's, <laughs> it's like years ago. Uh, it's this man and woman out in Arkansas, of course, and uh, like super duper Christian family. And they're part of this whole movement called 
called a full quill. They believe like, like every one of your children you have is like an arrow for Christ. And so they believe it was like implemented by God that you should have as many kids as possible. Hmm. And this lady was super fertile. And they just kept pumping out kids. Well, a couple of years ago, one of their sons, maybe the whole Ashley Madi- Madison leak that happened, was like they were released names of all these guys who were using Ashley Madison to find an. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. One, their son was on one. Was on that leak. Hmm. Okay, and then it came out that he had like sexually abused a couple of his sisters growing up. Okay, just a real piece of shit. Then was Josh Duggar, real sack of shit. He got arrested this week. You want to guess what for? Child pornography. <laughs> the look on your face is the closed eyes, slow head shake. Yep. Um, found on a computer at the car lot he owns. Federal investigators came barging in, and his attorney asked that he be released to his wife and six kids. Yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> exactly. That's what you need to do. Go back to a bunch of kids. And they're like, like his, they're like, he'll have to have like a secondary. Supervisor. Oh, we know somebody who can supervise him. That's not a problem. Like you're going, yeah, you're going to trust the people around him to supervise him. Uh, you know, uh, it's the uh, sacks of shit everywhere we look. Well, if you back up just a hair to. The mom and dad who had, was it 18 kids? Is that what you said? I think she ended up having 21 total. It was okay. a lot. How do you, how do you know these people? I mean, how do you, how do you get to know your kids or What's how that? do you get to know? I mean, how, how do these, I mean, when you've got 18 kids or 20 kids or whatever. And, and they're stair-stepped. I mean, it's like every, every time. Yeah. Once was, a year. I'm sure. Have to. I mean, you, you, I just don't get that. I mean. That's the complaint. The, the first one's born, we're raising the other ones. It'd have to. Yeah, like one of the first girls, she pretty much raised all the other ones coming. From the time she was able to walk, her name is Jana. And she pretty much raised all the other ones her mom was shitting out. And so this man posted pictures of her, like her at her wedding day. She was like getting ready to, to leave. All these kids were crying. It was like they were losing their mom. Because she had raised every one of them damn kids herself. Uh, So she had no childhood. From the time she was able to walk, her childhood was, hey, feed this baby. Hey, I got another one. Feed this baby. I got another one. Give this one the bottle. You know, it was constant. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. That's, that's a, to me, that's as much neglect or or mis- Abuse. Abuse, yeah, yeah, you know, as as anything. Uh, The Queen gave out an award this week. Queen Elizabeth. To a sex toy company. I'm not lying. Well, this show is full of truth. You know that. According to reports, British sex toy company Love Honey has received an award from Queen Elizabeth II herself. Don't tell me it was like this. I've got a life replica or some bullshit like that. Yeah, her. She, she, gave him, she gave him a gold star. I mean, what was it, what was it for? I mean, what was she? Specifically, Her Majesty awarded, quote, the UK's biggest sexual wellness brand, the Queen's Award for Enterprise. Love Honey has been recognized with the highest accolade for business success following continuous growth in overseas sales for the last six years. Overall, Love Honey has seen a business expand from approximately $16.5 million to $77 million. The sex toy company can now use the Queen's Award emblem 
on a range on their range of vibrators, lingerie, lubricants, bondage equipment, and more. It's important to note that this is not the first Queen's Award of Enterprise Love Honey has received, as it was presented with the award also back in 2016. Her Majesty has been been a wonderful supporter of Love Honey, said Love Honey's Chief Commercial Officer Debbie Bond in an official statement. You can imagine the gift boxes that she gets from that place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Queenie, check this out. He's sending, sending uh, a Prince Philip a cod piece or something, I'm sure. <laughs> Ooh. More piece of news here. Hmm. An Oklahoma woman was charged with a felony for not returning a VHS tape for 21 years. No way. Yep. A former Oklahoma resident is facing felony embezzlement charges for not returning a VHS tape rented in Norman more than two decades ago. Online documents show that Karen McBride is a wanted woman for never returning Sabrina the Teenage Witch on VHS in 1999. The first thing she told me was felony embezzlement, so I thought I was going to have a heart attack, McBride said. McBride said that she first learned about the charges after trying to change her name on her license after getting married in Texas. I went to change my driver's license during this COVID thing. You had to make an appointment. And so I sent them an email and they sent me an email and they told me that I have an issue in Oklahoma. And this was the reference number for me to call the number. And I did. McBride said the number. McBride said the number was to the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office, where a woman told her about the charges filed against her. She told me it was over... God, I got the burps. She told me it was over the VHS tape, and I had to make, I had to make her repeat it because I thought it was insane. This girl's kidding me, right? She wasn't kidding, McBride said. Online documents show McBride was charged with felony embezzlement for rented property in March of 2000. McBride told Fox 25 Tuesday that she doesn't remember ever renting the movie. I had lived with a young man that was over 20 years ago. He had two kids, daughters that were 8 and 10 or 11 years old. And I'm thinking he went and got it and didn't take it back or something. I never watched that show in my life. It's not my cup of tea, McBride said. Meanwhile, I'm warned for felony on a VHS tape. Documents show the movie was rented at Movie Place in Norman, which is no longer even open. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> the Cleveland County County Assessor's Office said records show the business closed down in 2008. Ed Blue, with Blue Law Firm, told Fox 25 Tuesday that even though there's technically no victim in the case because of the business's closure, Cleveland County could still prosecute the case because charges and a warrant was filed against McBride. I mean, I didn't even receive it. I, I mean, I didn't try to deceive anyone over Samantha the Teenage Witch, I swear McBride said. <laughs> McBride said over the last 20 years, she had been let go from numerous jobs without ever being given a reason. She told Fox 25, now it all makes sense. This is why, because they ran my background check and it just said felony embezzlement. <laughs> we reached out to the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office on Tuesday to ask about McBride's case. On Wednesday, the DA's office said they're reviewing McBride's case and they've decided to dismiss it. Wow. Blue, Blue told Fox 25 Thursday that McBride will need to get her case expunged still in order to clear her, her record moving forward. So now she's got to pay all these damn court costs 
to try to get this bullshit charge oh, off yeah. her record. Yeah, all that red tape she's got to spend her time doing for some silly something. I mean, what about the statute of limitations? It's got to have. I mean, that was thirteen after the they filed. They filed that charge. I think statute of limitations only applies to charges that hadn't been filed yet. So, like, if I go rob a bank, you know, statute of limitations is ten years or twenty years, and I come out like you know twenty two years later, it's like, yeah, I did it. They never filed charges against me. I think it's all oh. all good. So they were on top. They filed charges in two thousand, like right after it happened. So, well, well, that's yeah, that's that's good. That I mean, everything got dropped. I mean, you yeah, but just, she's got to go through all that. You know how hard it is to get some expunged off your record. How oh. much is going to cost and court cost and lawyer fees and everything else? A lot more than returning that damn tape. <laughs> damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. So we um, we've got some uh, we've got some new listeners. Um, I've I've been I've been uh, telling some friends, you know, about check out the podcast and stuff like that. And, Shit. Um, so there's some so we've got some new people that are listening over in the, the Tuscaloosa area. Um, hey to everybody over in Tuscaloosa, and then we sub T town. We've also got uh, some new um, listeners down in mid Florida. Oh, sweet, awesome! So. Um, I've just been kind of passing along to some to some friends, and uh, people are checking it out. Of course, man, they're shooting me some texts going, "Man, you mean this is a this is really fun." You can tell that you know you guys are a close group bunch of, of assholes, <laughs> close group of friends, and it's real easy to listen to and 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 stuff. So well, that's kind that's of awesome. what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to. Addison always gives me a hard time saying I'm trying to be the new, the next Joe Rogan. Um, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against making, you know, $150 million over the next three years. Uh, sure. What's wrong? Why are you shaking your head like that? For? Just invite me to swim in your pool, bro. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Did you clean my pool? How about that? You make you, make hey, you my, my pool boy? Yeah, the, uh, the meal came in, I'm sure. <laughs> or harpoon the pool boy out there with the skimmer. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just... <laughs> be the Oprah of Delta 8. <laughs> that ain't my name. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Fuck. Oh man, I love doing it to Brandy because she's I like that's not his name. She's like, God damn it. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, to all the new listeners or the old listeners, I really don't give it out a lot. But if you've ever got, I'm sorry, you can't hear me over the jingling of, of Judd's eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a. Have the intervention in here, you know, can't, can't talk over, over the ice jingling. <laughs> you need to stop drinking. <laughs> um, anybody who's ever got an article or have a question for the show, you can email us directly at thehangoshow at gmail.com. I check it regularly. Um, I've gotten a, a few nice comments through the email, of course, through social media. You know, we get those. Um, yeah, if you ever have a news article you want to send in for us to discuss, or just want to say hey or anything else, please do it. Um, I think that's a great idea, man, to have people man th- to send in ideas for us to check out news. Oh yeah, and and you know, let us get to laughing on it. <laughs> we will. <laughs> I'm also on Telegram. If if you're on Telegram, you can you can message me directly at uh, Hangowood. I'm on there. Um, just be careful. 
<laughs> yeah, I had to. I dropped the I dropped the hammer on Harpoon when he joined joined Telegram because I, I have my link to my to my uh, my phone contacts. Uh-huh. So I think I was in Missouri when you joined, and it, it popped up and said, you know, Harpoon has joined Telegram. So I'm like, hey, then welcome to the club. And I was hit him with a bad one. He's like, whoa, whoa what are you doing? <laughs> and those sticker packs, and I, I hit him, I hit him with the big boys on that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have more listeners. You know, um, so we don't. This is all just a uh, a a project of of love and time. You know, we're not really getting getting paid for any of this. It's just a bunch of goofballs who ended up with microphones in front of their face. Um, but yeah, anybody want to want to message us? You can follow us on Facebook at the Hango Show, and on Instagram we're the hang at the Hango Show, and uh, email is the Hango Show at gmail I'm on Twitter. But I never get on Twitter anymore just because it's an absolute shit show. It's all, it's all Twitter is now. Um, so your best bet is to email directly. I'll, I'll see that before I see anything else. Um, but yeah. Was there anything else that y'all wanted to talk about? What's, what's been, how's the, you might be talking about, talking about the, uh, the Dayton pool, how that's going. You said it was, a, it was a new experience for you before. It's, uh, yeah, I mean it's you know right now I'm just it's it's a very complicated part of my life. Uh there's a lot of you know there's a lot um a lot going on. Um you know I'm I'm mentally trying to sort out some things and and my way of of kind of dealing with uh major stress issues in my life is to work out. Yeah. Try to try to get the extra energy that my body produces. Um I I, I try to reroute that uh, to something positive. You've always said that you've been a pretty high strung guy. I'm, anyway. I, I'm, yeah, I'm naturally high strung. I mean, I'm naturally, um, I naturally have a lot of energy, but when I have, um, you know, extra heavy things going on, stress, it, stress, it, it really, I, I, what I, what I don't want to do is to have something, um, that has nothing to do with somebody that I care about or love about catch some of the, the negative energy coming out of me. You know, I, I constantly um, try to uh, lead by example. You know, I'm constantly trying to um, make sure that, especially at this point in my life, all of my relationships are as positive as possible. You know, I really try to shake out the the negative stuff. And um, but you know, this 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 section of my life is uh, is just a recentering. And I, I find myself like we were talking about earlier. I'd met my brother, and we'd gone to the gym, and and you know, I'm, I'm so I'm swimming a lot. I'm doing a lot of laps. So I'm, I'm I'm spending time in the in the sauna, and and really trying to sweat out, you know, just anything to that that might be holding me down, any you know, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, intellectually, anything, man. I want to. I want to clean it out. I want to start over. I want to anchor right, uh, which is usually my process. You know, whenever I go through uh, any something, then um, what I try to do is is to pull all the positive out of that past situation that I can, and and try to discard any of the negative. And um, but what happens is it, it stirs up a lot of emotion. You know, and I go through a wide range pretty on a regular, on a, on a fairly regular basis with, with me being physical, 
um, you know, in the, with doing some sort of cardio or some sort of, uh, you know, weight training, or, uh, I do a lot of body weight, um, exercises to where they're, I'm not even at a gym. I'm just, I'm just using my own body weight right. and, uh, and doing things. I do a lot of stretching and, uh, you know, I, I, I try to tell, some of the guys that have, that work for me or have worked for me, you know, when whenever they might be going through something heavy in their life, to take redirect that energy because it's very easy for that negative energy inside of you to change you, you know, where you talk a little more aggressively to people or you might be a little more inclined to look at the negative side of life versus what could be you're you're maybe concentrating on what happened or what has been in the past and 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 maybe you're you know it's just the the negative way so i'm i'm, I'm trying to look at the glass half full mm. the dating will take care of itself it'll it it's you know um it's it's just a really kind of a concentrate on me it should be fine you know yeah. time right now and um but you know i've been i've i've been very fortunate you know, to have uh, as much love in my life as I've had, you know, from, you know, from just from birth on. And, and um, it's, it's, it's really just a, a I, I try to say to myself, you know, when I'm going through this multiple uh, realms of emotion throughout the same, the same day, sometime, um, you know, okay, you're, it's okay to be mad. It's okay. You're all right with it. You know, or if, or if I'm just extremely sad about something or whatever, I, I'll try to tell myself, okay, it's okay, but and, and it's okay. So get it out of your system, get it, do what you got to do. And, and then now let's realize that that was just a, a, a frame. It's a that's, blip. Yeah. yeah that's that's just moving is. through, you know, so in order for me to kind of get rid of the residue that's left up behind from that pain or that anger or whatever. That's where I, that's what I use to, to work out. I use that energy. Um, I've got me a couple of, uh, wooden rings that, uh, that you see like in the Olympics, like in the, mm-hmm. you know, they have like the, the rings and the straps and stuff like that. Well, of course, man, I'm, I'm not doing any kind of Olympic movements on them or anything <laughs> like that. The iron cross on the, yeah. the living room. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a, that is a, uh, is an incredible workout. Um, it, it'll really get you strong really quick and, and, um, really get you focused. And, um, and, and, you know, and I, I think I was telling you earlier, you know, when I went to, uh, to go do some swimming here recently, the heater in the indoor pool was broken and excuse me, um, the water temperature was a little over 72 degrees. And the first time that I went <clears throat> swimming in the, in that cool of water, uh, it was. I, it didn't matter what was going through my head, because all I could think about was how cold that water was, yeah. and and um and I I had no idea that I needed that mind eraser for that small amount of time. I mean, I needed that to completely unplug. It didn't matter, you know, what anxiety I had. It was. I, it was kind of that. Um, you know, you're that like we talked about earlier, the end of life and, and everything, you know, it's just this, all you want to do is survive. Well, really, literally all I could do was think about how cold that water was yeah. and, you know, doing the laps in there. It took me about six good, uh, down there in bags to really kind of, before my body got to a point where I could just stand around and just kind of hang out for a little bit and catch my breath or, or whatever. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's always, it's a, it's a positive time in my life. Um, and I, you know, I, I try to 
make sure that this energy is is put in the right direction. Yeah, I think that you know that's whether it be whether it be loss of a loved one or whether it be the end of a relationship or whatever it is. You know, we have a real. It's a human thing, I think, just to get into the what was me mindset, you know, to say another fuck up in my life. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so easy to fall into that. It is. And I think having a positive mindset like that helps so much um, and having positive things to do, whether it be working out or writing something down or having a friend to talk to. It makes a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's got the, the, the it may be different. It's, I'm sure it's different for almost everybody. Everybody will have their own release, you know, or how they deal with their stress, you know, for Jutman, it might be sitting behind his drums and just, you know, banging, banging skins, out, yeah. you know, for hours on end. Or, you know, like you said, you know, writing things or whatever. Um, it, everybody has their own thing. And, and this to me is just my thing. Yeah. Well, the, it's really important just not. <clears throat> It's really important not to let things get destructive, uh, right? In 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 your life, um, just saw me at a time. I went through two or three really bad breakups at a time, and and this was back during my drinking days, and I just drank more when it happened, right? You know, and uh, it was it was hard to say, okay, well, no matter how bad I'm hurting. This booze ain't going to do shit for me, but make it worse. You know, I had to come to that realization myself that, yeah, you know, she's a bitch. <laughs> we all know she's a bitch, you know, but me pouring alcohol on top of it ain't going to do a damn thing for nobody, especially myself. Right. You know, I just become an asshole and then I don't sleep. You know, then I wake up and do the same thing again. I'm an asshole and I don't sleep. And I finally wake up and I'm an asshole and I don't sleep. I keep pouring more and more booze on top of the problem. It wasn't a drinking problem. I know I didn't have a problem stop drinking. It was just that was like I lived alone, you know. Jut lived in another town, you know, so I'd go see him once or twice a week. Otherwise, by myself, you know. And so I didn't have a positive outlet at that time. No, but people need to realize there's always somebody there to listen. Even when you think there's not, call one of these helplines. There's nothing wrong with trying to find help. At no, all. No. You know. Yeah, I encourage people, you know, if you're hurting in any way, I mean, you need to find some something to, you know, to help you deal with whatever it is you're going through. Yeah. You know, very, very similar to your situation, you know, with drinking. You know, in the past, I had to figure out that whenever I would drink or something like that, when something heavy was going on, it might it might take my, t- my mind off of it for a you know, for, for an hour right. or two or when I, while I was hanging at my buddies or whatever, you know, but as soon as it was bedtime, as soon as it was time for me to go lay down, that's when my mind would go crazy and I would dwell on it even more and it would just be worse, you know? So the next day I would wake up not only with a hangover, you know, physically, but I'd also wake up with a mental hangover, man, of, of the stuff that I'd blown out of proportion. You wake up pissed was, off and yeah. it's, just a, it's a cycle, just cyclical, just yeah. over and over and I over. I had to harness that negativeness i had to figure out okay there's got to be a way for me to take all this negative and turn it into a positive and just for me it was just getting just doing something physical you know i'm I'm, today i also went and planted um several trees into their orchard yeah yeah, yeah, plant trees i mean that's you know i got out there with a shovel 
and, uh, you know, just digging through roots and, you know, just hard soil. Um, it was just something, man, that, that just really helped me. Um, I wasn't going through like a rough patch today, but I, you know, I, I always on the outskirts of my mind, you know, I, I, it's always hanging out there. Um, but you know, get, grab a shovel and start digging something, man. You'll, you'll forget about most everything except for digging there, yeah. you know, <laughs> another damn rock uh, shit, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I get it a lot of times. Um, yeah, I have a, I have a lot of time to myself. Oh, uh, especially when I'm at work. Cause I'm, it's just me on the road, you know, especially yeah. those 600 mile nights, you have a lot of time to think, you know, and it, it, it can be dangerous, especially at night. There's not a lot of traffic on the road. You can let your mind wander. You've got to stay focused on, on the road. Cause there's all kinds of critters that want to run out in front of you. Uh, yeah, I, I encourage anybody who's, if you're having a problem, there's all kinds of groups for every problem out there, whether it's drinking or drugs or suicide or anything. there's always, there's a helpline, there's websites, there's chat group. There's always something to find. Talk to somebody, please do. Um, you know, as Tank's mom had surgery. Uh, Thursday morning. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It wasn't nothing. I should say it was minor. It wasn't a minor surgery at all. It was just kind of like, oh, you need this. So let's get it done. It was kind of a pop up and we've got to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, shit, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere, but she pulled through fine. You know, but if it'd been something that'd been planned for like a month, she's going to dwell on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's whole, we, I worked for you when my grandfather passed away. You remember what a wreck I was during all that. You know, that was just so, and I'd say something to you and you really struck with me. I said, you know, if we'd have seen this coming for a year or two years, it'd been one thing, but it was, you're like, man, y'all be thinking about all the time you had to be with him when he was healthy. Think about the good times you had, you know, cause a lot of people don't get that. Mm-hmm. You, you see them just decline over a long period of time. And that's even worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, that kind of gave me some perspective of not thinking about the six weeks he was so sick, but rather think about the thirty years I had with him yeah. when he was. And that's hard to do. It is it's very hard to do. When you're hurting, and you know you're you got this big gap yeah. that they used to fill. You know, it's real hard to say, and it's not going to be quick. I mean, any kind of healing that you have from something that's major is going to take some time. You know, so whatever the, you know, if, it, if there's an addiction problem or if, or if there's a, an abuse of any sort or, or just something physical or sorry, a loss or just like just anything big, you know, it's going to take some time. You know, you're just not all of a sudden going to jump back into something else. If you do, you're, I think you're doing yourself and whoever else is participating in an injustice. It's a disfavor for sure. Just, right. Yeah. yeah. But just because man, you just need to heal. You need to make sure before you start a new relationship, just say, for example, like you'd asked me about dating, you know, um, I just want to know how, how you were coping with online dating. Now it was a whole new it's sphere a, for it's you. Completely, it's completely different. You know, it's <laughs> completely because I'm just so old school. Well, it's gotta be so like, it's like almost alien in a way, you know, cause it's been, Dating has been done this way for hundreds of years that you meet somebody mm-hmm. and you court them and then, you know, you try to see if stuff click, you know, and now you're clicking a button, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, there, there's, there's quite a few times inside of me. I feel like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. 
just because I'm I, for so long I've been so focused on someone else yeah. that that doing something like this was was ne- it would never enter my mind. I feel like you're being selfish in a way. No, I feel like I'm I'm almost cheating. You know, oh, I, mean, that, I, gotcha. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be doing this, but I have to remind myself that hey, it's you're not in that relationship anymore. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not doing this, so you're healing. You're going through this healing process, mm. and and that emotion. You know, the past emotion, you know, is, is something that you just got, I've got to remind myself from time to time. So, you know, in order for me to get into another relationship, I have to have healed completely and worked through all this stuff. So, um, it's a, uh, you know, it's just a process and, you know, so friendship for me for sure is, is going to be the, the foundation. That's, that's really what I'm looking for right now, you know, as far as, um, the, the single scene, you know, I'm looking for somebody that I could talk to and hang out and, and, you know, um, we can communicate openly and, and, and that, and I, and I feel like after that, then, you know, maybe I'll be at a more healed spot mm. to where something could build on top of that. And I think, man, you know, long-term you need to be friends first. Well, to, yeah, I mean, you, you want know. to know somebody. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of times, man, you just you just see people and you're like going, ooh, I want to date them, you know, because they look like something you'd be, you're, you're yeah. attracted to them for but whatever. But do you really, you know, when you find out yeah. that they yeah. leave their hair in the shower or that they do something weird in the bathroom or whatever, you know? Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you want to get to know some. I would, I like to get to know people, you know, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a real big single guy anyway i like to be in relationship i like to share you know um so to me i mean i feel like you know i just it's just an odd time you know and i'm I'm really trying to be as as positive about it as possible and um you know it's just it's just new it's just different there's a lot of different moving parts well good things i mean new things are good i think you know it helps you expand your mind or, or your horizons or whatever you want to say, you know, um, it can be uncomfortable as shit sometimes, you know, when you try something new or, or get into something new like this, like podcasting, you know, I don't think I have time. I have to send Addison a, a message which week. I think, I think I fucked this up. What do I do with this? You know, <laughs> the last time, the last episode that had, uh, you and Br- y'all and, and Brandy on went to open it up in audacity. Wouldn't open. Hmm. It has said, Bitrate issue. Good luck. <laughs> you know, so I was like, fuck. So I'd like send it to Addison. He converted it into a WAV file, which was over a gig. So, you know, so, which the MP3 that I, I usually use is like a few megabytes. So he had to convert it to a WAV file, which made it over a gig. So I had to, I had to import that in and edit it that way. And it worked. But, you know, I was on the verge of thinking, well, this episode is lost. It's gone because I had no clue what to do. So lucky I've got some in my in my life now. I got Addison, you know, to kind of he's gonna make fun of about being old. I know he will. Oh, I'm hanging. I'm old. I don't know computers. You know, he do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So luckily we have some. I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't know that Jet knows a lot about. I come to him with a like, hey, I'm looking at this vape product, looking at this. You, know, you don't want that, or that's not going to work with that. You know. Don't buy from that company. <laughs> they make some shit products. Don't do that. You know. Mm-hmm. If you want something good, go with this. It's going to cost more, but it's going to work. It's going to last. So I think we're lucky a lot of times in our life that we know somebody we can kind of depend on, mm-hmm. especially when you're going through changes. Like, like you said, you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, <clears throat> change is new is good and stuff. And, you know, and I'm making new friends. Um, you know, I've got a, an, an incredible support group of friends, um, built in, but just getting to know newer people, you know, and just getting to know, um, I've had some very, very, very interesting conversations lately with, with new people that I've just recently met. And, um, you know, uh, part of the conversations, you know, are, you know, Hey, whatever the conversation is, let's just be a hundred percent open and honest about whatever it is we're talking about, because I really don't know you. You really don't know me and why not, you know, let's get to know each other, you know? So, uh, that's, that's been, it's been fun, you know, and stuff. So, uh, you know, I've got to do a little traveling here lately and I've, I've really enjoyed that. And so, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's cool, you know, to answer your question 10 minutes ago. Yeah. It's, it's cool. <laughs> like I said, from the first episode, this whole show's a tangent, man. We just go on and on about anything. Um, you were talking about getting to the pool when it was cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the week before last Addison had texted me and said, uh, Hey man, I started doing this new thing now. Then in my shower, I just cut all the hot water off, and 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 that's that's kind of what I'm, you know, and get like a big rush or whatever. Like, yeah, we've been doing it in the south for for years, man. <laughs> during the during the summer, it's summer so, season, it's so humid. <laughs> you know, if you don't take a a warm shower and let it kind of continually go down to cool, when you get out, you're gonna be sweating like crazy. Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's like, oh yeah, I just tried it today and I really like it. I was like, well, like. June through August down here is kind of a got to do kind of thing. You have to kind of cool yourself off where you have the shower. You're going to be sweating worse than you were before you got into the shower. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, man. You know, there's a lot of uh, health benefits. I've watched several videos of, of cold water exposure, um, you know, coupled with like uh, breathing exercises and stuff like that uh, that are uh, supposed to invigorate your healing from the inside. You know, um, maybe a little bit more like on a molecular level. Right. Um, and y'all may have seen, I think the guy's name is Wim Hoff. Have you seen his videos oh, or something? Haven't. He's, uh, it's, it's, it's well worth checking into. Um, but he has some breathing exercises where you wind up holding your breath or you wind up, you know, just these deep inhales, uh, to get more oxygen into your body and stuff. And so, one of I think one of the ideas he's trying to get across is the more oxygen you have in your body, you know, the more your body functions at a higher level and heals from the inside and stuff. So um, it, if if you just download or just download, you don't have to download anything. You can just pull up a like a YouTube video of this guy. Um, it, he also does a lot of cold exposure um, where he'll sit like cryotherapy stuff or like actually going outside. Oh, yeah, like, like sit out in the snow in gotcha. a pair of shorts, you know, for hour or trek up a mountain barefoot, you know, and, and snow and ice. And then once you get to where you're going, then jump into like a waterfall, like Ooh, Creek and stuff like that. Hypothermia is uh, a bitch, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it, you got the, you got to check this out. And, um, it, I, I've tried several of the breathing exercises. It's a crazy breathing exercise. Yeah, have you? It, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's pretty intense. I mean, it takes a while to build up to uh, you know because a lot of I think now you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jig, uh, but most of his breathing exercises are are a lot of them that I've watched are where you're taking these big deep breaths, inhale and then you exhale and then you'll hold 
you won't inhale again. You'll hold your breath with the exhale. Mm -hmm. And then like a time, like a clock will start. And you, you're after, like, if you just do it like right now, like you say, for example, we all just took a big inhale and then just an exhale and then not take your inhale again and started a stopwatch. You know, you might make it 15 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever it is. But after this, after this series of deep breath inhales, you know, 10 minutes from now, you do it and you exhale, then you'll see your, your exhale time clock like double, like you'll, you'll go a full minute without a breath. And, um, and what he's telling you is that, you know, you're bringing a lot more oxygen into your body and, and, uh, but that's, you know, talking about the healing, uh, that, you know, that, uh, everybody's hurting somehow, somewhere, mentally, physically, something. I mean, you're everybody out there, man, if you're an adult, you're, you're hurting somehow. This is, I've seen, um, several of the, uh, experts, uh, medical people and stuff like that saying that all these breathing exercises are really helping to heal major things in people. I'm almost hundred percent sure that I saw the guy on Joe Rogan's podcast that's how that's how I got introduced or that's the way I saw the guy, and then I looked him up and started doing a bunch of watching a bunch of videos and stuff. Well, you're just you're just pumping some of oxygen into your bloodstream. I'm sure that's a lot of. Is that all right, Jig? Is that what you got out of it? Any of that stuff? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of a euphoric kind of thing. I started you know, to say a lot of people use it. Go ahead. Way more than normal, right. you know, everyday breathing. You're just. Doing the routine. I've heard of a lot of people using that like in transcendental meditation and stuff. Yeah. Well, the first time I heard about it, it was uh, through uh, David Blaine. I was watching oh, yeah, an interview yeah. with David Blaine and he was training for that, holding his breath under, you know, being submersed for so so many minutes or hours or whatever he was doing. And uh, he was in a, a practice pool doing that. And he had done the breathing thing before he went under. And uh, they said he was under, I don't like, 12 minutes. Yeah. He was underwater and his, his heart rate had dropped to like almost nothing. Yeah. So they pulled him cause they thought he was dead <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing? You know, he didn't even know where he was when he came up. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's nuts. I mean, they're, and, and divers train for that kind of, they use it all the time to get their to, body used to holding their breath that long. I started to say a lot of like free in, divers. Yeah. In the Caribbean, uh, you can go spear fishing, like we use like a, uh, a Hawaiian sling or a spear gun, but you you can't be assisted. You got to do all that on it. You can't use scuba to go do it. Huh. It's all got to be done through free diving. So a lot of those spear fishermen will will do that where they pump they pumping their their blood full of oxygen, taking those deep breaths over and over, and then they'll hold it when they go down. Number one is you're putting so much oxygen into your bloodstream, your lung capacity just expands so much. So, and as they go deeper, you know, it's pushing the air out of their lungs just because you have like have to hold their nose and like push out to keep the pressure from building up. Like every 10 feet, I think Mm. every 10 feet, the pressure like doubles or whatever. I never went spearfishing because I couldn't hold my, my, they were diving down 50 feet down, Pop, pop a fish, come back up with it. You know, uh, there's a guy I watch on YouTube. He does it. And he, um, during the regular part of the year, he does uh, cycling, like roads, road races and cycles. And he, he said that his training, it isn't cycling. 
goes to spearfishing so well, controlling your breath, you know, the, the use of your legs to dive down 40, 50 feet to the ocean floor to be able to get a grouper or get a crab or a hogfish, whatever it is, you know. So he said his spearfishing and cycling go hand in hand. It's, it's all the same training. It's all leg strength and, and controlling your breath. So I watched, um, I watched, there's a podcast called American Scandal. I think one tree puts it out. They've done a ton of them. The first one they did was about the whole Balco scandal with, uh, uh, human growth hormone with Barry Bonds and all that. It covers all that. And, um, they did one on Enron when all that happened. And the one they're doing right now is about, um, Lance Armstrong. And it's damn good. <laughs> that dude was an asshole. <laughs> Probably still is for all I know. Seems like there was something I was going to tell you guys. Um, oh, let's go see the King Kong vs. Godzilla movie. How was it? It was loud. <laughs> you went to the theater and saw it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had the, the uh, reclining seats right. in there. Uh, first time I've been to a movie. Probably in six, seven years. Look, it was loud for you. It's probably, probably blowing everybody else's hair back, dude. I'm gonna tell you. When, <laughs> so when I when I, I went with my brother and we sat there, um, that was the night that I, I shot y'all uh, that picture of the tequila. You yeah. shooting tequila? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, where that was? Yeah. Where the hell is he? <laughs> Which in King Kong. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I thought, you know what, man, I'm going to go shoot some tequila and then go watch King Kong. Uh, which it was. So anyway, man, so I'm sitting in there. <laughs> um, uh, and the movie starts. And of course, you know, I, I, I have some hearing loss and things like that. So um, I'm real sensitive, you know, to where loud things are or whatever, you know. So 15 minutes or so into the movie, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, I have got to go get some, some toilet paper or something to stick in my ears or I'm going to, my head will be ringing tomorrow. It's just like as loud as a concert. Yeah. Like they had the volume jacked. <laughs> jacked. And I was thinking, holy smoke. So that's exactly what I did. I got up and got a little toilet paper stuck it in my ears and, and just to help, you know, muffle some of it. But it was a pretty good movie. Um, I, my brother and I both, man, were both King Kong. Fans, you know, I mean, we grew up kind of watching all the, you know, all the movies and stuff like that. This was the first movie that, you know, spoiler alert that. Right. So, uh, you know, we were both pretty, pretty jacked on that. But yeah, I mean, I, so I come back and I'm, I'm telling the kids at the shop, I'm like, okay, man, this is a straight up old man move right here. <laughs> Can you turn the TV down? Turn it down. Turn it down. You know, I was like, I know I'm getting. You know, old now when I'm thinking, oh shit, man, things are too loud. You know, mom will see like a movie trailer. So, oh, I want to go see that. Oh, I want to go see that. Of course, she never, never goes. Um, it's been a couple years ago, I guess. Um, I was off. It was around my birthday because my license was expiring. I told her, look, I have to go get my license renewed. Um, we'll go watch a movie. Find a movie you want to watch and you can go with me and we'll go watch a movie. I can get my license renewed and we'll get some neat. Okay. So she told me, she's like, I know what I want to go see. I'm watch. It's the Mr. Rogers movie. Oh, was that Tom Hanks? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, 
fine. I'm, I'll go watch it. I, I love Mr. Rogers growing up. I'm, I'm all for it. So we go to the movie theater, start watching it. He's getting toward the end. Look over there. She's asleep. <laughs> Never fails. Really? And so I just let her sleep. It's probably like 20 minutes to the end of it, you know. And so it's winding down. Credits start rolling. I shake her leg. What happened? He died. Let's go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Mr. <laughs> Rogers is dead. We used to, uh, there was a guy that, that worked at the shop. Uh, his name was Mr. Mike. And um, he used to love like all the superhero movies and, you know, and then all the, anything, all of them, you know, anything that had to do with all that type of stuff. And he wanted to go to the movies all the time. So uh, there were several nights that we would go and have a few drinks, walk across the parking lot and go to see a late show or whatever after work. It never failed, man. That dude would never make it to half the movie, man. I'd look over, man. His mouth gapped wide open. Rolled up in the seat. Yeah, laid over on one side. And I was just like, dude, man, I mean, this is what you've been looking. You've been talking about this for two weeks. How are you going to sleep through this? If I'm going to drop 15 bucks on a movie ticket, you better keep your ass awake. We're doing this. Oh, my goodness, man. That was a that was just a, a joke there for so long, you know, in the shop. Because we're just like going, oh, yeah, man, I know you're excited, man. You'll probably make that. Just about to the point, man, where everything gets good. And yeah, when everything kicks off, you'll be asleep. Um, we were sitting, I was sitting over here with mom at the day, and uh, we we're watching, uh, we're watching something. Law and Order probably knowing her, and they started showing like commercials. And one of them was for uh, this new scary movie. Okay, and I was like, we're going to watch that. Like, I'm not going to watch that damn movie with you. Like, yeah, we are. We're going to go. It was like <laughs> some woman sitting on the edge of a cliff, and like this demon's le- like hand grabs her, pulls her down. It's like, we're going to watch that. No, we're not. This woman tormented me as a child. I'm watching scary movies. Oh, really? Oh, dude, she used to love them. And now she don't want to watch Oh, no, not now. <laughs> Sick of real. Oh, dude, if you wear a mask around her, she loses her shit. Wet herself, the whole deal. It's a kid. So I talked about Tariqa. Me and Tariqa talked when she was on here talking about scary movies. I said, you know, we grew up watching like Friday the 13th and The Howling and you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, like really, really violent stuff, you know. Uh-huh. And now she's turning into Mother Goose or something now. And she won't, she will not watch a scary movie with me for that. I talked about when Tariqa was on here. I was, she came over to the house one day and I just had like a, the TV on in the background. And it was from, from dusk till dawn uh, with, with Quentin Tarantino and, and Clooney and all those. And so that movie isn't a vampire movie unless you know it's a vampire movie. The first half of the movie is has nothing to do with vampires at all. Nothing. It's just a movie about these two convicts trying to escape to Mexico. And so halfway through, Selma Hyatt turns into a fucking vampire. Yeah, Mom, goes, <laughs> Mom goes, Mom goes, is this a damn vampire movie? I said, well, yeah, I'm leaving. And she got up and left the house over that shit. She's like, I didn't know it was a damn vampire movie. I don't want to watch that. You know? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, growing up, we, we, it was never like, oh, you can't watch that. It was like, this is, this is scary. Get on it, buddy. <laughs> it was, you know, this is a scary, scary movie. We're going to watch. We watched all the Friday the 13th movies growing up in order. Like, as they came out, we watched them. Yeah, you know, and now it's got she turned into Mother Goose all of a sudden. And she didn't want to have anything to do with anything scary whatsoever. 
I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't either. Man. <laughs> I don't know about that. But she found this woman on Facebook that does her makeup. And she tells like stories, like true crime stories. I'm like, this is, there's no worse than vampires or, or axe murder. It's real stuff. It's real axe murderers. You know? How the dateline stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he made a necklace out of her vagina. You know, it's always stuff like that. It always is. You know? <laughs> he had a nipple belt. <laughs> it's, it's always something like, it's, it's never, it's like, he killed somebody because, you know, she done him wrong. No, no, no. It's always, you know, the most grotesque stuff you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Nothing? Judd? I got nothing. You got nothing. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Hango Show. Be sure to go by tripodbroadcasting.com. Check out all the shows we have there. Matt and Hassan, give us some thought. Look at the boys at Barnhill Outdoors. Also, go by and check out our sponsors. Ebles.com, E-A-B-L-E-S. And save 15% on some premium CBD products with the discount code HANGO. Also, go be, sure, be sure to go by MyDelta8.com. What they got happening over there. Until next time, Harpoon, Jut, thank y'all so much. I love you guys. I love all y'all out there listening. Be sure to check in next time. We'll see you then. Have a good night, guys. Peace. Bye.